So this, uh, actually this whole chapter is um, the story or the account of Jesus healing a man who was blind from his birth. Okay, so we're forward a little bit in Jesus' ministry here and he's actually spending some time in Jerusalem. Um, the chapter beforehand um, has Jesus saying that he's the light of the world and teaching about that. And of course you have those verses that are um, taught by 12 weeks of freedom and the truth making you free. And if you shall be free, you shall be free indeed. And then he's talking to the Pharisees, telling them that um, they don't, their father isn't who they think their father is. <laughs> and um, then he, uh, he speaks about Abraham and saying how Abraham rejoiced to see his day. And um, they were like, oh, you're not even 50. I mean, you've seen Abraham or Abraham's seen you. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. And at this point then, they're like, oh, really? So they, they pick up some stones and they're ready to, to throw the stones at Jesus. And I don't quite know how he does it because some other time in Nazareth, people wanted to throw him headlong off of a cliff. But somehow he just, uh, it says he passed by. <laughs> Going through the midst of them and so passed by. I mean, if a crowd was after me, I don't know if I'd go, be able to go through the midst or whatever. They'd probably just grab me and chuck me in there. <laughs> All right. So amazing. I don't know if you want to call that a miracle, but um, it's pretty cool that um, Jesus was able to just pass by them. As busy as he was, and we know that it wasn't yet his hour, his time had not yet come, and they weren't going to be able to hurt him in that sense, according to God's will. But um, even when he's in this danger, or whatever, you'll see as he's passing by, as he's getting away from the temple, um, we're just going to open up here and read um, a few verses, and you'll see in John chapter 9, verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Okay, so here, basically, um, as they're passing by, his disciples are with him, of course. Somehow they got away from the guys throwing stones too. Um, and uh, they see this man, I presume he's begging, and he's blind from his birth. I don't know, does he have some sort of inscription? How do they know? Obviously, they'll be able to tell that he's blind. But um, the disciples have a question, and they say, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Okay, so they have a question, probably born out of curiosity, maybe it's, it's part of man's nature or whatever, but um, uh, just for a start, I ask the question, how did it help them or the man to know w- what the answer to that question was? The, the question wasn't that constructive, um, and they're just asking a kind of a, a curious question, or, um, and really it's not really any of their business. So um, or maybe a first point is that we're, we tend to be more interested in other people's sins than our own, you know, people look up all these, you know, see these gossip magazines and all this kind of stuff, and we're like, oh, what is this celebrity doing? And oh, he's got himself into trouble and all that. But, you know, I really think if we would spend as much time daily thinking about other people's sins, if we would spend time inspecting ourselves, we'd be much well more, more um, the benefit for it, okay? And, um, you know, uh, we did the Lord's table this morning, and if we would judge ourselves, you know, we should not be judged, okay? But um, they made an assumption here, if you notice in their question, they said, who did sin? Okay, so they assumed automatically that sin was the cause, okay? Now, that's probably not a good place to start or whatever, but if you go in uh, just with a bit of reading this, um, I read here that the Jews at the time believed in, in um, a form of reincarnation. 
So kind of similar, I guess, what we would be familiar with today, maybe in Hinduism, and they believe that you know there is reincarnation either as a reward or as a punishment. So this could be the angle that they're coming at or whatever. But either way, um, they're asking. Um, uh, I would I would say maybe you know a silly question or something like that. You know, um, I might make statements to the teens. I say you know to ask me questions, and you can't ask a silly question in that sort of sense. But if you, if you look, Jesus doesn't rebuke them at all. When you look in verse three, Jesus answered. So he answered their question, and um, he didn't say you know don't be silly or you know um, have a bit of respect or anything like that. But he took this time as a teaching moment, and he was always there to um, to guide the disciples in the right way. And now he, sometimes he did rebuke and say you know not what manner of spirit ye are of, but um, he be, he chose this time to teach. You know, and um, I guess that's another example where we ought to be. Um, looking for for opportunities to be able to speak of the word, you know, it says in um, the law that when we're sitting down, when we're rising up, when we're in the way or whatever, we ought to be speaking of the scriptures and pointing out spiritual truths to our families. And um, why not to our friends and even um, to encourage one another as Christians? Okay, so um, so I just love that Jesus is very patient to answer our questions and even those silly questions that I would ask in prayer or or throw up in the, you know, in emotion or things like that. Jesus is very patient with those things and that's, that's an encouragement. So um, Jesus basically explains and says he's not blind because of his own sin or his parents, okay? So um, there might have been a bit of theological background to um, their question in a sense that um, we have in Ezekiel, there's an argument there saying that the, the Jews are saying to the Lord that his ways are not equal, okay? But um, the Lord is arguing with them saying, um, um, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And uh, the son, he's not going to suffer for the sins of the father. And the father isn't going to, you know, pay for the sins of the sons. But each each one that makes their decision or whatever, um, they'll be responsible for that. So, um, you know, they, they might be thinking along something along those lines. But as I said, what 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 does it matter in, in a sense? The answer to that question. So Jesus kind of points out, you know, if you if you turn to Isaiah 55, just um, as a basis or whatever for the way that the Lord answers things. And it's often encouraging for us because we only think in a certain way or in a certain direction or we can't see past um, a certain logic or context or whatever. But um, uh, the Lord isn't bound by these things like we are. And in Isaiah 55 verse 9, um, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, So um, to Jesus, the answer to the question is fairly simple. Um, but to us, sometimes we might struggle with those kind of things and, and um, wonder why things are the way they are. Okay? So um, Jesus says, if you are looking for an answer, the answer is that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Okay? So I, I immediately thought of that first there, where in, in, I have it written down here in Chronicles, where it says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the earth. Um, he wants to show himself mighty on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. Okay? So, um, but he's just saying basically here that um, there's a purpose for this trial in this particular man's life. And, um, you know, uh, we could think about many verses for that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Or, of course, uh, in Romans 8, that popular verse, you know, um, uh, all things work together for good. Okay. Um, so, in this case, Jesus explains, well, in his particular example, the, um, he's blind that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So obviously we know, uh, as we just read there, that um, that particular purpose was that he might be healed. Okay, And that's only one part of it. But um, there are other examples where the Lord could work and, and his works might be made manifest in a situation. One example is in your, um, in your hymnal, 
there's a lady named Frances or Fanny Crosby. And, um, you know, I, I was telling the teachers, that it's always really encouraging when you see someone or whatever, in particular her testimony is that she has dozens and dozens, I don't know how many hymns she wrote or whatever, of praise towards God and um, just praising gladness for salvation for Jesus when, you know, if we look at it from a human nature point of view, we could understand if she was a little upset, you know, that she lost her sight, that she has a difficulty that she goes through life with a trial. But at the same time, it's a great testimony and it manifests the works of God that God could um, uh, cause her to be full of songs, songs for the Lord. And um, that's always an encouragement. Or if someone's going through, um, you know, a health trial and you see they have a great smile on their face and they're always encouraged and they're not grumpy or, you know, things like that. That is a testimony to me, at least, you know, when, when, um, when I see that. Um, and even when it's not so positive and it's negative, you know, you can get Bible examples from that that, um, you know, the Lord used Pharaoh and his works were manifest through Pharaoh in that sense where it wasn't that positive for, for Pharaoh, but it was a testimony to the world, okay? So um, just a, a bit of a, a thought on that. So Jesus goes on and he explains himself and he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Okay, so um, he explains that his work was to do God's work <laughs> and he said that it needed to be finished before nightfall. Okay, and that, that ought to be, I mean, I, I've never seen a missionary, let's say, I haven't seen that many missionaries now, but that could be a prayer card verse. You know, I must work the works of him that sent me, you know, while it is day. And Jesus is driven, he's full of zeal to, to do everything that the Lord wants him to do and he's under time pressure. You know, and he's just talking, you know, it helps us to understand when he talks just about a day. Before the sun goes down, I mean, if you imagine at the start of your day, all the to-do lists you have or whatever, and you need to get this done by the end of the day. Well, how much, that's just errands, that's just things to do wherever in your workplace or whatever, but Jesus had eternally important things to finish or whatever, and one of these was to heal this blind man. And he was, um, he was driven in that way. And, and you think about the verses, you know, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Or, um, you know, uh, we're not here forever, and um, you know, I suppose you could say our night is coming too. <laughs> the sun goes up, the sun goes around, and the sun goes down, and that's the same with our life. Our our life will um, wither away like a grass, just being cut, cut off or whatever. And we need to do what we need to do until that time comes, and we don't know when that is. All right. So um, previously in the last um, chapter, when I was studying with the teenagers, um, Jesus made this statement. He said that he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Okay. And so he's already after saying that, and now he goes and he gives an example of what he means, <laughs> which I think is great when he explains himself. He proceeds to, um, to heal this man, and physically he gives him the light of life. This man has never seen the color blue. He's never, you know, um, seen what a smile even looks like, if you know what I mean by that, or to see um, expressions on people's faces, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all those glorious things that we could, you know, we ought to rejoice in. I came across this funny video Ruth showed me um, where this guy, he wakes up in the morning <laughs> and uh, this lady kind of, well, this piece of wrappy paper sits up next to him and he's like, you know, and then she breaks down and he's like, whoa, I'm married. <laughs> and then, you know, these two uh, wrapping papers jump in or whatever to the room and the kids burst out and he's like, wow, I've got kids, you know. And then, um, you know, she's like, here's a briefcase. He's like, I have a job. <laughs> and he goes on and what the, it's really funny, but the whole point of it is, you know, that um, we take for granted so easily different things in our lives. And um, if we would just um, see how much the Lord daily loads us with benefits, just because we're used to them doesn't mean that they're not like amazing blessings in our life, you know. 
So um, in this way, um, Jesus has just opened his eyes, and what a joy that must have been to him. And, uh, you know, like the, the man who was healed um, in the, on the porch, Solomon's porch in Acts, uh, I don't know what Acts about, three or four. Um, you know, he's like jumping and leaping around, and he's like, woohoo, you know. <laughs> so we, we, ought to, we ought to have a lot to, to praise the Lord for. I know sometimes we could be reserved, I could be reserved in that. But, um, uh, you know, we ought to be very thankful and just be um, counting our many blessings, all right? <laughs> so, um, uh, okay, so he lets him to see light or whatever, and um, Jesus says that he's a light, the light of the world, okay? But just on a side note, I guess I maybe I'll just um, say this. Um, wh- when we get saved as well, Jesus gives us that light of salvation, that light, and you know, he, t- he says, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, and that's in heaven. So we're also challenged the same way there's the time is running out, and the same way we must work the works of him that sent us, we must also let that light shine um, and not, as the word says, put it under a bushel, okay? So we're going to see now a couple of different people's reactions um, to this man's um, healing, okay? Just his healing now. Um, we're going to see a general people's reaction to it, the Pharisee's reaction, and his parents' reaction, and we're just going to look at a few things from that and then um, just wrap up with his own testimony. So if you go on to um, verse 8, the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. So this is the first, first people's reaction here. So um, basically, it caused a bit of a stir in Jerusalem. And, and you know, um, I suppose if you've ever seen a spectacle that went on on the street or whatever, you know, um, if something happened or whatever, normally there's people gather around, you know, people are walking by, they're like, what's going on here? Or, you know, that kind of stuff. And then they walk off and they go into a shop and they're like, did you see that thing outside? You know, and then uh, everyone that comes into that shop, then they're like, did you see that thing outside? Or whatever. And then the word is just spreading around and around. And everyone's like, yeah, I heard about it. What did you hear? Blah, blah. And um, in a sense, this this... This healing caused everyone to talk, okay? And um, the fact that he was changed was undeniable, despite the fact that still people doubted, you know? So, you see here, look, there's just different reactions. Some said, um, uh, this is he. And others say, he is like him, all right? So, um, people aren't always convinced, even though they can see evidence and all that kind of stuff. And then, even though he says, it's me, <laughs> people are still like, yeah, you know, okay? So, um this is what Jesus meant, I believe, by saying that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Everywhere he went, he was a testimony of the work of God. You know, Paul says, you know, ye are a, p- a, a epistle written on, um, is it written on our hearts, known and read of all men. Okay, so, and I, I always think about that Buddy Blancall song, if you've ever listened to one of his CDs, um, there's a song that says, when you're looking at me, you're looking at God's grace. You know, so you, ju- you just, when you see me, little old me or whatever, I'm an example of God's grace because... He saved me and he made, made me whole. And I once was blind, but now I see it. And you see how that is? And that, that just testifies to the world, okay? So um, they couldn't help but ask many questions. And the blind man answered the questions the best he could. Okay, so if you think about that verse in First uh, Peter, it says, be ready always, give an answer of the reason, uh, of the hope that lies within you, with meekness and fear, something like that. Um, uh, I suppose I could turn to it, and, but I might just have a lot to cover, so I don't want to spend too much time. Um, but his... His life just was an answer in itself, even, maybe even before he said anything, okay? 
So just think about that. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So um, all he could do with this point was basically just point towards Christ. And remember, he only had one conversation with him. That's all he knows of Jesus. All right? He just said, the guy put clay on me, told me to go to the thing, to the asylum, and I went, and that's how he speaks. And that's all he could say, or whatever, okay? But that was his testimony, all right? As simple as it was. So then, you'll see here now in verse 13, follow along with me here, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said um, some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he had opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Um, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. I'll just stop there. Um, I'll go over that in a minute. So um, this is the Pharisees' reaction. This changed man's impact caused people to bring him onto their religious leaders to see what they had to say. So they wanted to see if the religious leaders could make sense of, um, of what had happened. So the Pharisees are like, okay, so they start grilling him and they say, how did you receive a sight? And basically he just said his simple testimony, he couldn't say anything else, he put clay upon my eyes and I wash and do see. And then they were like, you know, so they're obviously fault finding because this is the Pharisees, you know. Um, if you don't know anything about Pharisees, you should know that. <laughs> so he, he, they say, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And Oh no, they said, um, oh he's ungodly because he broke the Sabbath, sorry. And, um, but then some are kind of like, wait a second, okay. Um, so basically, overall, the Pharisees, i just make a statement here, the Pharisees had to deny the facts to uphold their religion, okay. So they basically just had to um, explain this guy away or um, kind of tear apart what he had to say so that they could stay in, you know, and have the upper hand, I guess, okay? So, um, I just, I just, my thought from that then is just see how this man's simple testimony confounded the wise. You know, we're doing our soul winning course and it's, it's awesome and we need to, you know, we want to be sharp and we want to know what we're doing and we don't want to get in the way, as it were, of the Holy Spirit and when He's working or, um, you know, you obviously don't want to say something silly or you want to be able to combat your fears and just kind of put things aside and, um, just practice um, just being clear and not kind of um, maybe you might uh, just start talking about everything and, and or argue you might be uh, kind of maybe uh, arguing or whatever but I just like the fact that this man could confound these guys religious leaders that had studied for most of their life you know maybe under Gamaliel as we learned in Acts and all that kind of thing and um, the verse here that I was thinking of was um, 1 Corinthians 1.27 but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and things which are despised. Had God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Okay, so in that sense, um, they were, uh, as we'll see later, whatever, they were basically uh, tongue ties, as it were. Not really that they didn't have anything to say, but they didn't have anything worthy to say <laughs> to him. And um, you'll find they get rather frustrated later. Okay? So um, we'll push on here to verse 18. I hope you're still following along. Um, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that received his sight, that had received his sight. And they asked him, them, saying, Is this your son, 
who you say was born blind? How then, how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now see it we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. So um, the Pharisees don't believe the man, so they call his parents, but his parents basically, they are afraid to tell the Pharisees what they really think. Okay? So just notice that. Okay? Uh, what we can learn from that is like, just beware the, uh, the fear of man. Okay? Bring it a snare. The fear of man will pressure you to conform and or to say nothing. Okay? So just be careful of that. Don't do it. <laughs> and you just have a simple testimony. It's not as if, you know, if you're saved or whatever, you just say what happened. Um, no more, no less. And that's all you can say. Okay? Um, but um, these guys, um, these parents were obviously pressured to conform. And, um, you know, you often find that or whatever when you're talking to people at the doors. Um, they might have differing views to generally what the Catholic Church maybe might say. But they never tell the priest that. You're not know, that kind of idea. They'll keep it to themselves or that kind of thing. Either they're not looking to address them. They're just like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll hold on to my thing and um, let him think that I think there's something else. So you know that kind of idea. So just be aware of that. As far as um, I remember, I was saying a minute ago not to put, not to let our light shine and not to put it under a bushel. Okay. And then to take two more steps from that, be careful of any beliefs that cause you to ignore facts. All right. So. Um, these Pharisees are obviously holding fast to whatever it is that their doctrine is, and it's causing them to ignore plain facts right in sight, okay? So, obviously, the best example that I can think of for that is evolution, where they would just ignore plain evidence that's right there on the earth or whatever, um, you know, they do their circular reasoning and all that kind of stuff. If, um, if you ever watched any of the videos, um, just, just be on the lookout for that. That's one of the... Um, uh, uh, characteristics or whatever. And also, on top of that, then, be also careful about whether the facts that people are saying are really facts at all. <laughs> okay? And we see that that's one of the oldest tricks in the book. <laughs> all right? Satan in the garden, he's saying, ooh, you know, yeah, had God said. And he's, um, he's spouting off like he's actually saying a fact, but he's not. It's a lie. Okay? And we have to be careful, and you'll find people will do that nowadays, whether they're trying to tell you about, you know the prophet that they follow, or whether it's um, the latest research that they follow, that kind of idea, okay? So that's the um, the parents' reaction. And then we're going to go on then to this man's, his own testimony again, okay? Um, we'll read um, a couple of verses here. Verse 24. Then again, uh, John 9, 24, calls they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to, to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is. And yet he had opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshipper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. <laughs> so, 
I like that at the start of his testimony here. Um, um, the man admits that he doesn't know much, but he just knows that he can see. <laughs> okay? So, again, he's just, just sticking with the facts. Just sticking to his plain testimony. You know, um, we could argue, I could argue maybe about evolution or something like that with someone or whatever, but really, the truth is that all I need to do is just point to Christ and what he did in my life and how he changed my life and how I went from, you know, the power of Satan unto God and from darkness to life and from, um, you know, just being dead in my sins to alive in Christ evermore. And um, that's all the people really need to hear. And um, from there, they can make their own decisions. The Holy Spirit will work in their hearts. And um, hopefully you've planted a seed if you've used the Word of God and if you've just simply said what God has done in your life, okay? So for this testimony then, of course, um, you see here, he gets persecuted just for saying what undeniably happened, okay? Um, he's not trying to be judgmental or condemning, like you might hear if you're saying your testimony, but he can't say anything else or that would be a lie. Remember in Acts 4, they said, we cannot but speak things which we have seen and heard, okay? And his testimony, I was talking to Brother Dan, his testimony simply revealed the truth about Jesus. So from Hebrews 11:7 here, it says, by faith Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So here, um, we were talking about earlier in the week, the fact that Noah just believed God and the physical example that he was in just building an ark condemned everybody around him, okay? Because it revealed that, it revealed their faith, let's say, or their lack of, and it revealed um, who they were following and who they were believing and it just showed that they weren't seeking God. Um, otherwise, they'd be helping him with the ark too. <laughs> and then their testimony would add to Noah's didn't condemn everybody else who hadn't made the right choice, okay? So in the same way, this man, just a simple testimony, he's not trying to do anything, he's not trying to be mean, but it's condemning to the Pharisees. And it's separating and it's cutting like a knife. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, um, piercing even the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So he's just saying something so simple, but he's going so deep because that's how the Lord works. He's just using the foolish things of the world to confound those who are, are wise or think they're wise in their own eyes, you know. Um, and uh, it's just amazing how effective that is, how if you just get out of the way and you just say your testimony, how the Holy Spirit comes in and how the Word of God will just... Um, will do its own work. <laughs> we don't need to, uh, we just need to wield it or whatever the word is or whatever, um, and the Lord will do the rest, you know, that kind of idea, okay? So his testimony, like in Noah's or whatever, just condemned those that were around him that didn't believe, okay? So um, we'll continue here, verse 35, almost done. Um, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So, basically, for this, I'm sure you've gathered the point already, the blind man believes on Jesus. Okay. So notice here that this formerly blind man isn't, wasn't actually saved yet, before this point of meeting Jesus. Okay. That's really important, because a lot of people, you know, they think they're getting close to God when they're doing, like, you know, holy things or, um, you know, just because Jesus does something in your life or for your family or things like that, that, that doesn't have anything to do with salvation. It's great and I, you know, I pray for the Lord to work 
in, in, in the lives of people I'm praying for or people that I love and that kind of thing. But if people are relying on those things or um, seeing a you know, manifestation or a miracle to think that they're close to God or that they have favor with him that would add up to getting into heaven, they're sorely mistaken. Okay, So um, he, he wasn't actually saved yet. If you remember the ten lepers that then were cleansed, and they, as he said, go, and they went, and they're running, and they noticed that they were healed as they went, as they obeyed the word. But only one came back, and um, Jesus said, where are the other nine? Weren't there not ten cleansed? And um, he said, go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. So the other nine went away without Jesus, even though Jesus had worked so mightily in their lives. But this one guy came back, and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to the saving of his soul. All right, And um, in that sense, you know, the amazing things might be happening in your life, and I'm glad for that, but you have to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For with the heart man believe it unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is um, is made unto salvation, okay? So it's a personal thing. You know, despite what you're experiencing around you, you have to be saved by grace through faith, okay? So you personally need to believe on Jesus. So Jesus has more to say about this, actually. And these final three verses, it says, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Okay? So, so a few points on this. Jesus' first coming to earth, um, one of the things that it did was it reveals whether you are blind or whether you can see. Okay? Um, I'm turning forward to John 15:22. You'll see here in context. Um, John 15:22. If I had not come, Jesus speaking, and spoken unto them, they had not sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sin. Okay. So the fact that Jesus came um, was to reveal, um, I guess, the blindness of man or the state of his soul, how he was dead in his sins. Okay. And that. You know, he just came to reveal that. Okay? Um, I'll give you another verse in a second. And on a second point, then Jesus will be the final judge one day. And because of what he has revealed, turn to John 3. Probably don't even need to turn to John 3. If I start talking, you'll be like probably following along with me in your mind or whatever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Um, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that do a truth come into the life, that his deeds might be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So here is the, the works of God being made manifest again. Okay? So um, just don't be, I suppose, don't get complacent or be numb to this fact that Jesus is going to be the final judge one day. Okay? He, d- he just came to reveal that condemnation, but you, if you are not saved, you were condemned already. Jesus didn't come to condemn in that sense. But he came to reveal for you to give, get you an awareness, I guess, of whether you're blind or whether you can see. Okay? And 
basically, obviously after you hear of Christ and if you think you don't need Jesus, then the Bible says that this attitude simply reveals your blindness because we could see that from um, the uh, the men here. They, the Pharisees did. I don't think they asked the question really. They're just uh, uh, in the right spirit. They're saying, are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you should have no sin, but now you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Okay? So, um, so this is Jesus' testimony that he's come into the world um, and it's, he's come into the world to save sinners. <laughs> um, and I think I have one more verse here in Second Timothy 4. I forget what context that is, but oh, let's go here for time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was just about the fact that Jesus was coming as judge and to judge the world. Um, I guess it's Paul talking to Timothy, saying here in Second Timothy 4, When I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Um, so, uh, I guess for, for those, if there's anyone here that isn't saved, obviously they... The, the, the truth and the light of God's word will reveal, ought to reveal, if we were honest with ourselves, that, um, that we don't have Christ, that we, we don't have forgiveness of sins, and that ought to cause us to fear and tremble. And um, as Brother Dan was preaching this morning, um, grieve and come to a place of repentance toward God that we might be able to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, for um, the Christian then, we ought to be gripped by um, well, inspired by Jesus and his zeal and his um, intention just to work the works of God while it is day because the night cometh when no man can work. And uh, it's encouraging in that, in that part. And also just to, um, to be gripped by that reality as well that um, we don't know when our, our hour will come and that we need, we need to be doing what we need to do right now. Um, and that, that could be difficult. Well, when you think in that kind of eternal perspective, you um, it, it, it kind of helps you make the smaller choices once you have that that big, you know, set your affections on things above where Christ is seated on the, the right hand of God. Um, that way then you, you can look around and see whether you're getting off course or whether you need to, um, what you need to um, adjust, okay? So just in conclusion, the disciples asked, who did sin? And uh, that wasn't the best question, but um, Jesus used it and um, he taught so much from it. <laughs> and then the man, blind from birth, was made to see. Of course, um, we looked at the peoples and the Pharisees and the parents' reaction to his simple testimony. And um, that ought to encourage us about using our testimony and just, just to realize what power is in that, that God has given through our testimony. It might seem, you know, we're just saying something that happened to us, or, you know, but just to be encouraged at how, how, that, how powerful that is or how God can use that to confound even people who might be scared to talk to or, you know, oh, they know a lot or they'll, you know, just debate me around around the table. <laughs> okay. And then and we saw that the formerly blind man believed on Jesus. So, you know, um, that whole thing where just because you, you go to church doesn't make you a Christian kind of idea. Um, um, we need to believe on Jesus Christ personally and have a time in our lives when we, when we uh, remember that we trusted in him. And um, then Jesus um, just said at the end then of that chapter, he said, Jesus said, he came to this earth to reveal blindness to, and, and to give his life a ransom for many that they which see not might see. So just the, the thought at the end obviously is, um, can you see? <laughs> That's the challenge. Can you see? And then, um, you know, uh, the same way 
the way Jesus looks around, can you see like that too for the Christian or whatever? Are you looking at the world like Jesus looks at it? The fields are already white unto harvest. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, just for um, the roller coaster trip, Lord, through uh, John chapter 9, Lord, and just um, just an amazing um, moment to, to relive, as it were, Lord, just how, um, how much Jesus taught just in a moment of time, Lord, on just one particular day. And uh, just and that's why I guess um, the Apostle John said that um, there would not be room, Lord, to, to write all the books of all the, the things that Jesus did, even while he was only on the earth a short time, Father. So we just thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, for the, both the challenge, Lord, um, to remember our salvation, Lord, and um, that we personally trusted in Christ. And also, Lord, the challenge, um, just are we living um, and uh, the way Jesus uh, commands that we ought to live? And um, do we have that sense of urgency, that zeal, Lord? And I know um, we're weak and frail, Father, but um, you say that um, through Christ we can do all things, Lord, and um, we don't, we're not looking for emotions here, Lord, but we're looking for work that we need to do and um, just uh, whether we feel weak or when we feel run down, Lord, that you can renew us day by day, Father. So I pray that you'd help us with that. Um, bless all the, the, the sowing, Lord, that goes out in the church, Lord, whether it's a church event, Lord, or it's whether personally, Lord, where we meet people. And um, I pray, Lord, that you'd um, just be with us through the week and be, be with people, Lord. Um, I pray that um, for Brother Kevin, Lord, and the health of himself, and um, I believe it's Luke that's unwell, that he will get well soon. And um, just for those who are sick in the church, pray for Esley as well, Lord, that the jaundice might clear up, that she might be able to go home. And um, for those other people who are struggling, Lord, and maybe in struggles I'm not aware of, pray, Lord, that you just continue to work, bring us back on Wednesday, Lord, for prayer meeting and Bible study, Lord, and again at the weekend, but, um, and also for the parade as well, Lord. So we just love you, Lord. We thank you for this time we got to spend in your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.